Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Matty Matt, along with the good narrator himself, Todd Fox. And special guest to the show today. She's appeared before. Let him know who you are. Gabby. Special guest with Gabby here today. So, guys, I, I'm looking forward to this show because I was talking to Todd this morning, and he said that hopefully he can break it down so it won't be a three-parter, but it's definitely going to be a continuation story. So I can't wait to get into the show. But before we do that, got to let you good people know where you can find us. Find us on our Instagram page, Grinding True Crime Podcast. You can find us on all podcast streams. Uh, just look up under the Grinding True Crime Podcast. And you can find us and follow our sister page, which is The Grind. Yes, sir. So, without, with that all said, let's get into this story, Todd. And, and, and last week, we talked about Ray Carruth. And yes. he was a football player for the Carolina Panthers and his sixth story. And uh, Todd mentioned that we might keep it uh, sports-related for a couple of weeks. And so... Uh, he mentioned to me about this former NFL player for the Packers, who yes. I have no idea who you're talking about. So I'm very interested to know who you're talking about. So let me shut up talk, talking and let Todd take it away. Tell us what this is, Todd. Okay, guys. Well, this is one that we're going to stick with football and we're going to stick with the wide receiver position. Uh-oh. And, um, <laughs> and also, we're not um, – if you knew this guy, you'd be a deep dive in football. You'd have to be a Packers historian because this guy, when I get to what he actually did for the Packers, you'll see what I mean. Yeah, are we going way back? No, we're going kind of way back, but it's just the amount of football played wasn't like Ray Carruth status. You know what I mean? Gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. So you'd have to be a huge Packer fan to remember <laughs> this guy. I won't have a clue then. Yeah, I briefly knew had a clue. so I have known. <laughs> so let's hear it. This is the most, I, I would say, one of the most infamous serial killers on the West Coast. But he's not really known because he fell into that sort of category. Um, in a, in, he, I guess he kind of like fell below guys like um, the Night Stalker that was in California. Um, you know, the original Night Stalker, the Golden State Killer. And then also you had, uh, you know, um, guys like, um, what's his name? The... Um, the Zodiac, and yeah. you, you had Ted Bundy. So four serial killers right there alone knocked up, a, you know, killed a lot of people in their time, and they were all up and down the West Coast, and this guy was one of them. But the thing is with this guy, he had a specific time when he took, when he had uh, things took in place that we know of for, for sure, and I'll get into that. But this is the I-5 killer, the famous I-5 killer. Huh? The I-5 killer. Yes, sir. The I-5 okay. So um, a brief overview before we get started here. In the 1970s and most of the 80s pre-DNA evidence, serial killers were breeding and committing crimes um, for easy access, and fire, uh, easy access to firearms because you didn't really have to go through any of these checks you have to do nowadays. Mm-hmm. And um, Plus psychedelic drugs just coming out of the 70s. Uh-oh. Yeah, and uh, no computers that could track the whereabouts of people. Um, and then the, here's the big one that you could pretty much go throughout the United States, and this was a problem between the 70s and 80s. You can, like we talked about before with the Resendez kit, uh, when Gabby was last on about the train killings, mm-hmm. um, the police never talked with one another. They never shared information. 
and that was in the 90s and in you know late 80s and this is in the 70s and 80s um where the early 80s where um law enforcement just didn't talk to one another they didn't share information and so a guy like this could run buck wild and that's exactly what he did um a killer could travel and get away with one murder or two murders and then when the heat got turned up just move locations and start over in a community and that was not on alert like the previous town or city um the i-5 freeway for those that don't know um it runs literally from uh, tijuana mexico through southern california kind of inland and it goes through central california northern california oregon along the coast uh okay. Up to Washington and even into Canada, so it's thirteen hundred and eighty-one miles long. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's that's a long way. Because and and you think about it. Um, to give you a little example, from California to um, uh, California to Tennessee, where I drove one time, it was about I think it was sixteen hundred miles. So it's almost the distance to Tennessee, but going. Hey, that push. Say again. You you made that push. Yeah, I made that push. Woo. Sure did. <laughs> so, so you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I have a feeling. I thought Kansas was bad. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so all these crimes will all take place off the 5 freeway every single time. Either it's, it's an exit into a city or town, and all the crimes take place there. I Very wonder good. why he picked that one. It's just easy access i guess so so what do you guys think so far like with the i-5 freeway this killer have you guys ever heard of this guy before never i heard about it i never got into the details oh okay okay so you you two time crime detective i uh, heard about it <laughs> I <have> no idea <laughs> <laughs> when you i-5 i'm thinking that's a new iphone or something <laughs> oh i know right so <laughs> <laughs> yeah enlighten me todd Okay, so with that, let's get started on the story of tonight's killer. His name is Randall Woodfield. Mm. Um, he was born December 26, 1950. Okay. He, he's uh, from Otter Rock, Oregon, a coastal community. Um, he grew up in an upper-class neighborhood, no abuse or no violence, you know. And to me and to, to Gabby, and I, I know she's been educating you on serial killers and crimes. Mm-hmm usually you have a past or there's some sort of something that messes you up mentally yeah mm -hmm. and as far as we know years later um they still they can't find nothing on his childhood that would point to anything other than um he did uh he uh, he said uh his dad was a manager at a parts factory and got paid very well and the mom was a stay-at-home mom but she ruled the house and he had two progressive sisters, one that grew up to be a lawyer and one that grew up to be a doctor. His only complaint was that they kind of ruled the house, kind of told him what to do. And um, they were like the more dominant. That's mm -hmm. like, that's the only thing that they could find in his history, really. He was just angered then. Probably. Um, I don't know if that contributed to his overall behavior, but there's some other stuff that you'll see that, that kind of like throws things for a loop and gets him started but as far as i'm concerned i mean like gabby said that's probably the only thing i could think of um psychologically anyway yeah yeah all right <clears throat> so um 
other than that, he had a normal upbringing and he had good grades in school. And okay. He, and he was always into sports and good at sports. Um, he was six foot, um, six foot even, 170 pounds in high school, um, had long hair, always was forever brushing his hair, uh, you know, brushing his, brushing his mustache, always working out. He cared about his image. All right. Um, never really um, too talkative. And um, if he did, it would just be a, to brag a bit, I guess. Yeah. Um, he goes to Newport High in Oregon and plays football and track. He runs a 4.7.4.40. And um, he's in shape. And um, as a junior in high school, however, in 1967, let's see if you guys can guess um, how he starts his criminal activity before he's 18. I'll give you guys before a guess. 18. Before Rape. I'm going to say somebody triggered him. He had an issue with somebody that pissed him off and he reacted. Okay. Um, what, and what did you say, Matt? I'm going to say he, he first committed rape. Well, it did have to do with something sexual, but it wasn't rape. But you guys are almost there. You're almost there. But uh, <laughs> as, as a junior, he got caught exposing himself to school uh, on a wall as uh, some female students were coming into their locker room. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's rape still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not rape. <laughs> he raped their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> right, go ahead. Hey, is there a law for that? Raping the one's eyes? Man, yeah. <laughs> well, here's the here's part. Like, you're going to get a couple of these, which is kind of annoying because every one of these serial killers, like I brought up last time, and probably every time, is they always get those lucky breaks in the beginning. They always get slaps on the wrist, and everyone kind of mm -hmm. looks the other way when they get started. That's uh, why they get worse. Exactly. They always progress. And uh, back then, everyone was like, oh, Randy. Like, it was funny, you know, like, oh, that's good old Randy. Because back mm -hmm. then, different times, his parents, though, were the only ones that were, like, his school even said, hey, it's fine. But back then, his parents were, were you know, smart, upper-class people. They said, you know what, let's take our kid to a psychologist. And because we're worried about his behavior, he shouldn't be exposing himself. And um, so they took him to the psychologist, a psychologist <laughs> and the psychologist said, quote, he's just exploring his sexuality. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> he got a pass. <laughs> A.K.A. boys will be boys. <laughs> that damn excuse. I can't stand that. <laughs> So you guys are right. See, hindsight being twenty twenty now, that was a huge red flag. Mm -hmm. But to again them back in the day, uh, that's just a boy being a boy. So, um, yeah, pretty much. And you know what? And the white boy privilege probably did come through in that situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert: This guy's pasty white. <laughs> <laughs> When you said his name, they gave it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he winds up graduating and going to a small community college called okay. Tre Treasure Valley College in Oregon. <clears throat> hmm, okay. Where shortly after, he is arrested for breaking into his girlfriend's room, or his ex-girlfriend's room, uh, dorm room, where he ransacked it and trashed it after she had broken up with him. So what does that mean? 
another red flag. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Homeboy can't take rejection well. No, sir. So, Not at all. So what, what, uh, what do you think happens to him? They caught him red-handed. He's not in high school anymore, so this is a serious offense. I'm gonna. They slap him in the. Do it again. <laughs> what do you think, Gabby? I'm gonna guess they did arrest him, and his parents, with money, went over there to talk to the police, and they released him, and they promised he would not do it again. You know what? That probably would have been the answer, but Matt nailed it. <laughs> they slapped him on the wrist and acquitted him. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Just like that. Okay. So while there, he gets into, um, let's see, well, after playing really good at Treasure Valley, he transfers to a Division II college called Portland State University. And Portland State usually plays the Pac-10 and Pac-12 now teams, and they're like a Division II team, so they're not all that great. Um, while there – what kind of club do you think he gets into with his background of sexuality? Let's see if we can hit on this one, too. A strip club. <laughs> <laughs> You're half right, but <laughs> spoiler alert on that one. She got half of it. But what kind of, what kind of school club does he get into? Because keep in mind, Gabby's right, but what's the opposite of that? A sorority club. No. But what's what's a uh, let's see what's what's a uh, opposite of strip strippers and everything? What's like the complete like opposite? The, the ranch, the hooker ranch. No, 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 not not the same genre. Like what's the? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because if that's evil, what's good compared to that? Got you. Uh, a Christian club. Bingo. So you guys are both right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so while there, he gets into a Christian club. For the Fellowship of Athletes uh, and the Campus of Christ Organization. Yeah, that sounds corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> and he preached and talked about it all the freaking time. So here's a guy who doesn't really talk too much. But then when it comes to this, he's talking way too much. And um, it, seemed to, it seemed to keep him clean for a bit until the October 1972. So as you know, with this show, whenever we say a date, Something happens. Yes, sir. <laughs> so where he was caught and convicted of indecent exposure in Oregon. What does he get for this charge? Uh, Community indecent. service. What do you think, Let Matt? I say he gets uh, another slap on the wrist and find maybe 200 bucks. Let's see. Both the two hundred dollars and the um, community service are excessive because he gets a slap on the wrist and a, a suspended uh, charge. Oh. <laughs> and this is the second time. Third, but third incident though. Remember, he ransacked the house too. Second indecent exposure though. D. Wow. <laughs> Let me see your ID. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like saying, "Good job. Keep doing that." Exactly. Don't you go doing that. Only on Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> so at the same time, he plays in a league full of Christian Bible students, a basketball team. And the team's name, if you could think of it, I will give you $5 each. This is... <laughs> what do you think? I'm the not going to get it. I just, I'm a little 
confused as to why a Christian group would allow him to stay. <laughs> well, <laughs> think of think of what the funniest play on words for a basketball team Christian a Christian basketball team would be. Let's see. The Christ. The holy hoops. The holy hoops. <laughs> the holy hoops. Uh, Christ favors. Christ favors. <laughs> hey, the good guesses, but they went with God Squad. <laughs> he I was like not part I of like God it. Squad. You <laughs> sure was. I like it. So, so here's where Gabby's right too. Because remember, you know, Matt called the Christian organization. Here's where she's right. He acted very religious, <clears throat> but had been seen in shady parts of the neighborhoods and bringing prostitutes home to his homeroom on campus. Uh oh. Friends said he must have been living a double life, and his personality and odd behavior was beginning to show more and more by the summer of '73. <clears throat> at that time, okay. <laughs> yeah, at that time on the football team, um, Anthony Stottlemyre, a freshman quarterback, and Robert, um, his brother, uh, the running back for Portland State, both uncles of get this Portland Trailblazer star Damon Stottlemyre. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were on the same team as Randall. And um, they said Randall was always grooming himself, fluffing his hair on the sideline, and saying off-the-wall comments and not really paying attention in the huddle. Wow. <laughs> he was in love with himself. He sure was. And that was a red flag right there. Yeah, that's another red flag. Mm-hmm. So later in the, the year... Uh, during the football season, again, he got caught again for indecent exposure. But this time, he was arrested uh, when he was arrested for resisting arrest. So he tried to get away all butt naked, and they had to chase him down, and he fought it. Wow. So um, let's see. Fourth offense, third ex indecent exposure. How much jail time does he get? I'm going to guess this guy didn't get in trouble until like his 20th time. <laughs> I'm not the, I'm gonna say he didn't get he didn't get no jail time for this one as well. Slap on the wrist. Community service. <laughs> Again, community service would have been more time than what he <laughs> oh, got. Oh my god. <laughs> he, he was sentenced to five months in jail, yet serves no time. Wow. <laughs> he got out again. Wow. So, so the very next game is against a team called Puget Sound. Which is a so low. He's still in. He's still in God Squad. He's still in God Squad, and the team hasn't kicked him out. Nothing. Everyone's just like, "Oh, that's old Randy, showing his showing his penis to everybody." <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. So uh, on the field, the team played Puget Sound and lost fifty nine to nothing. Uh, the, uh, with them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And the team went 1-10, but despite all this, and despite all Randy's background and problems, he was the best player on the team. He was the fastest. And the Green Bay Packers actually sent a scout out to see him. What? Yes. And in 1974, the draft took place, which was not televised, and they had 17 rounds of draft, because now nowadays you have seven. Seven. Yeah. So back then they had 17 um, uh, rounds. So that's a lot. Yeah, that's like three days worth at least. Yeah. 
the Green Bay Packers select Randy Woodfield, pick number 417 out of 438 total picks that year. And he was picked in the 17th round. <clears throat> but at the time, he had graduated Portland State and was working at a burger restaurant non-specified. The Packers, mm. the Packers gave him a one-year deal worth $16,000 plus incentives. And he got a first-class flight to Green Bay to try out for the team. Wow. Yeah. Went from flipping burgers to a $16,000 contract. Do you think he makes the team? He makes yeah. the team. Well, here we go. He survives the early round cuts. And in the media guide, the Packers described um, him as a good wide receiver, fast on his cuts, a good route runner. He can accelerate in the open field. He's got great hands. The Packers love his enthusiasm, and they think that he's going to be a mainstay on the roster. And that's in the media guide. So they print that out preseason. And then the Packers cut him. Wow. <laughs> but he never played a game? <laughs> he, he never played a game for the Green Bay Packers. Why? But he was listed as a Packer, so that's why it sticks with the, the story. But That's why you said you got to be a real true hard Packers fan. <laughs> yes, yes. You really – I mean, not even Marvin with his personality could remember something like that. I mean, it's yeah. – you have to you have to have been a, a season ticket holder forever. You know what I mean? Dang! So he played not one snap, not one preseason or regular season, nothing. Mm. And that's because in the end they were not content with him, or he did something. Well, he says that the Packers were looking to run the ball and really didn't need a wide receiver. And he was such a low pick and had that kind of baggage of being who he was. Other teams didn't even sniff him, didn't even give him a chance. And he really didn't – he really was so focused on being a Packer, he didn't try out for any other team either. Wow. But he did stay in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and he plays semi-pro team uh, – semi-pro football, which is like minor league football, <clears throat> to stay relevant. And he was hoping that the Packers would take another look at him. Um, but Randy – after uh, complaints by players and certain things going around in a small town like Oshkosh is cut uh, by the semi-pro team due to uh, some ex exposure incidents. I, I don't know where these are coming from. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what is the obsession with exposing himself? Yeah. And, and so remember, he, he's escalating because remember, so far we're up to three escalations of, of indecent exposure, right? Mm -hmm. He is busted for 10 cases in a month okay. and a half. <laughs> Yo, man, unless his junk, no homo, but unless his junk was like the biggest in the world, then, then okay, in that case, I, I, I can understand. But come on, man. <laughs> that, that has nothing to do with it. I can understand that. <laughs> Oh, because you got a big ding dong. I understand you wanted to show it off. I love where this is going because it's fitting the story. It is so fitting the story. You guys just don't understand. It's working. Wow, really? It is. Trust me. Uh oh. So, Wisconsin police said, "Quote," and this is a police chief. He said, 
Randy just couldn't keep it in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Literally. <laughs> so uh, he returns to his hometown after this. He just flies back to Oregon in 1974 because of 10 cases of indecent exposure. How the heck are you supposed to get a job? Right. And, so it's on his record now? Yeah, he has a record. But again, these agencies don't share their information. So his information of indecent exposures will stay in Wisconsin. Wow. The two prior ones he had in, or three prior ones he had in Oregon, yeah, they're there. But those have been, you know, years already, or, or a couple of years since he's been gone. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's where he comes back to, to, Org, um, to um, Oregon. And uh, all of a sudden, in late 1974, a series of, of attacks began in the city of Portland. Um, a man would brandish a knife and threaten them to perform oral sex on him and stealing their purses after. You oh, would, uh, Randy. Yes. So, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, now get this, though. The women would describe the assailant as muscular and handsome. So let, mm-hmm. me, get this, so let me get this straight. Oh. If you're forcing a woman to have oral sex with you at knife point, and not just one, but all these women remark that he's handsome. <laughs> then, goddamn, you're handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some head. Like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're all, hey, you didn't need the knife. You could have just asked. <laughs> right? <laughs> His head got big. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> and and they also described him as unlike the uh, what's it called the uh, Golden State Killer where he everyone said he had a small package. This guy's packing. Oh, so um, that's why he likes showing it. Yeah, that's and that's why too in Wisconsin, as cold as it is, <laughs> he, he's still <laughs> he's still, as cold as it, he's still packing. That guy, no homo, but that guy was packing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, That's, here's my question. Mm-hmm. If you're handsome and you're packing, why do you have to force people? Something's really twisted in your head. Yeah, there's something wrong with this. You guy. would think they would be girls throwing themselves at him. Mm-hmm. He probably got an excitement for doing something like that. That was probably something he got off on. Oh, he had the control because growing up, the women in his house had mm-hmm. the control. Exactly. See, she's hitting on it. Mm. See, she could be a criminal psychologist. Hopefully, though. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's ironic? He wanted to be a packer. <laughs> <laughs> he knows already That's packing. a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. I will give you that, sir. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that being said, March 5th. Now, this, there's, this is about seven or eight attacks that have gone on in the city. And at this time, the police are fed up. They've got an MO. For all those that don't understand uh, listening, it's modus operandi. It's sort of like the same kind of things that you do over and over and as a criminal. And so that's how they're able to link you to other cases. And, well, they had seven or eight cases where the guy was doing the same thing every time, the same description. So what happened on March 5th? The same thing happens while a woman is walking through a park holding a purse by herself. She is attacked 
And all of a sudden, undercover cops come out of nowhere to tackle the nice, handsome Randy. Because, wow. because why? It was a sting. They, they set him up. Wow. And he took the bait. Good. Took the bait. Now, <clears throat> let's, let's play another game of how long did he serve? Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> now, Todd, if you tell me anything less than at least two years, something wrong. Okay, so um, it's not something wrong. You, you'll you'll be a little happy about this, but let's just say he got sentenced for his for this and got ten years. How okay. much? He only served four. Good he God! She nailed it. <laughs> she nailed it. Four years out of the ten. Four years exactly. Wow. So you would think. Um, you know, it's all over, you know, four years, maybe he learns his lesson. He's been busted. He's in the system. Well, after those four years, uh, he had some buddies in the Portland state university mm -hmm. knowing that he does that, that he did these atrocities before he left and also got worse when he came back. What do you think his former teammates did? Celebrated him. Bingo! She's on fire. Wow! They, they threw a party. <laughs> How do you know this stuff, huh? They are stupid. <laughs> she nails it again. So, before we get into <clears throat> the next part, because um, we're gonna, we're running out of time on this one. Okay. I'll, ha I'll have you close it out because we got five minutes on it, and then we'll start another episode, the part two, because part two. Now we we've established Randy's, you know, you know, uh, growing up and his football flirting with it, and then his problems. Now we're going to get into his reign of terror. Oh, yes. So this is where the story really takes a turn, huh? This, this is where it heats up and heats up Ooh. fast. Uh -oh. Why you do us like that, Tom? <laughs> now we, we get all excited. Now, you, now the story's going to take a turn, huh? It's going to take a major turn. So hopefully the listeners are involved for episode two, which is going to get into the meat of the and potatoes of the story. Let's go. Let's go. Well, we're going to put a postpone on this one to be continued. You have been listening to the True Crime Podcast about Mr. Randy, what is his last name, Whitman? Whitford. Whitford. Whit Whitfield, I'm sorry. Whitfield. Whitfield. Randy Whitfield, former Packer. So next week, you're going to hear part two. So if you like what you heard today, you know what to do. Continue to listen. If you want to hear what else he's done and get to the meat and potatoes, tune in next week. So for Maddie Matt. Todd and, Fox. And Gabby. We're signing off, but before we do, let's let you guys know where you can find us. This is the Grinding True Crime Podcast. You can find us on our Instagram page. Just look us up under the Grinding True Crime Podcast. And you can find us on all podcast streams. Just look us up under the Grinding True Crime. And then also follow our sister stage, The Grinds. Yes, sir. With that all being said, we're signing off. Hope to hear you guys next week for continuation of part two.